0: Welcome to the Difference Makers Podcast presented by Waterproof. I'm your host, Justin Tamani. In this podcast, you'll hear from some of the top coaches, brand managers, and athletes on earth. From starting out to where they are now, we'll explore the journey of how they became a Difference Maker. Before we keep going, do us a favor, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform to hear more from the Difference Makers. All right, guys, we are live. This is the Difference Makers podcast. I'm your host, Justin Tamani, and today we have a very, very special guest. Today we have one of our first athletes. And actually, I don't know if he knows this, but he's one of the first users of the Wadproof app in the first group wow. of users. So we have <laughs> with us Mr. Noah Olson. Noah, thank you for joining us today.
1: What an honor. It's a pleasure to be here, and it's a pleasure to have been with Wadproof from the very beginning. So I'm uh, happy to see things come full circle.
0: Yeah, we, I was talking with uh, Adam, and I think he said you're in the first
1: five or 10% of the user base to ever download the app. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been how many years would that make it then? I feel like I've been using it for five to yeah. more than that years.
0: I, it's something like that. Isn't it one of those things that it just seems like it's just part of your training. Like it's, it's just kind of been there for a while now. And it, it's just like, you use, you use it regularly. You yeah. kind of lose track of it. Totally. No second thoughts to it. It's part of the routine. Yeah. I had the same thing when I was talking to Adam about um, just using the app and being involved in the ecosystem. Like, I don't know when I downloaded it. It was just like second nature to
1: use it for different things. And it was just, there. yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. And it's cool to see how much it's advanced too over the years. This is by the way, not necessarily an advertisement for waterproof. This yeah. is all just natural, but, um, yeah, it's cool to see how much it has grown all because of Adam kind of pushing the boundaries and innovating over the years.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. So Noah, how are you doing? We And you've been posted on your social media. You're coming off of the COVID recovery. How are you feeling mm-hmm. with everything and training?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's been an interesting process going through COVID. I, I wrote on social, like you said, I thought that I was never going to get it. I felt like I was in the clear. It had been so long and we had done really well about just kind of being safe and smart and it, uh, it, it, Joanne ended up getting it. And even three days after she had tested positive, I still felt fine and was testing negative. And so I thought, like I just had some sort of super immunity, and all my training had boosted my immune system. But uh, eventually, it got me, and it was a, a rough week. You know, it definitely—I I know people out there have had it way worse, but I did not feel good. Um, I had a few days and nights of like cold sweats, feverish, really achy, just very fatigued and tired. A little bit of congestion now, but all of that is behind me. Um, The only residual about a week out from having COVID now is that congestion and then still some post-exercise fatigue. Like on days when I thought that I was totally fine, I'd go to the gym and start working out. And once my heart rate really elevated and I got into some of the more intense stuff, that was when it hit me. And I was like, okay, maybe there's still some lingering side effects from this. Yeah.
0: Okay. So then how does that figure or factor into uh, building up to Wattapalooza coming up in just over a week here?
1: Yeah. You know, the timing you could, it all depends on perspective. It could be super ideal that I got it a couple weeks ahead and just got it out of my system. And hopefully by the time Wattapalooza rolls around next week, I'm totally fine. That residual fatigue is gone and I'm not at risk of getting sick that weekend. Because I think there are people that maybe have avoided it. If, if I were to get it this week, that would suck. Because then going into next week, I'd still be feeling it. Um, I I just, I recognize that the timing could have been way worse. So I'm hoping that the timing was actually ideal and uh, I'll be able to go compete, be totally healthy, not worry about catching anything. Whereas uh, I think there are some people out there that I don't know. I'm curious to see what, the after effects of a huge gathering like that look like during a time when COVID is spreading so much? Yeah.
0: I think that's a that's a general concern. Then there's a lot of like big events that are still kind of going, but ha- a lot of mm-hmm. people have stepped back from. Um, but Wadapalooza being an outdoors event makes it a very different setting and situation. Even yeah people are in such close proximity. Um, this is your 10th year at wadapalooza so is that correct
1: it is yeah man i've been doing it every year since the very beginning which is really cool it's similar to what we were saying with wadproof it's cool to have been involved from the beginning and see the growth and changes that have happened year after year after year there were like i don't know there's a lot of nostalgia i've been kind of thinking back on some of the original events and how they went down versus like how high tier the event is now it's, it's very
0: cool yeah. What were your summit? Your like, what were your, some of your, excuse me, early, like fondest memories of Wadapalooza? Like those first few years, like, what do you remember there being, that was like, you know, a little bit different yeah. than what you would
1: experience now. Totally. It's, um, I, it was 2012 was the first year and I was like a kid. then I was, I think I was 20 at my first Wadapalooza. So yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Cause I'm 30 now and it's 10 years ago. And, uh, there was an event at the end. I don't know why this one stands out to me, but the final event was happening at like 8 p.m. It was pitch black out there. It wasn't as fancy as it is now, so they didn't have cool lighting and all that stuff. And the the bleachers weren't as advanced. So I think it's just a bunch of people standing around. And there's you'll you'll see if you're at the event, there's a big fountain in the middle. They usually do a very good job of kind of disguising it. Like you almost don't see it because they put vendor village around it. And it's behind all the tents, but the first year there weren't a whole lot of vendor tents. And so that whole area was open. And one of the events, you had to push a sled all the way around the fountain. And it was a far, pretty far distance. And it was just like 8 PM, super dark. The sleds were all getting like caught on the cement, grinding, scraping it up. You could see sparks flying in the middle of the night. And it was just very gritty that was one of my first memories of it just being super duper gritty and dirty and in a cool way. I don't mean that in a bad yeah. way. Um, and again, now it's gone to the point where there's like flashing lights everywhere and helicopters and freaking concert going on in the middle of it all. That's that I think is the description
0: of how CrossFit changed. Like it used to be so kind of like grungy and like underground yeah. and like, you know people doing fitness at night with sparks flying like that's kind of the totally that's the roots of it and then now yeah the the spectacle of it I've, i love Wadapalooza. like it's it's a very unique event and it, and it combines a lot of different experience levels and skill levels and they get to experience the spectacle of what like a crossfit games athlete like yourself would experience
1: Yeah, I do think that's one of the coolest parts about it is that there's such a wide range of people competing and spectating. And I think for my parents, that was one of the first things that they saw, Wadapalooza, that convinced them that they could do CrossFit because they both do it now. And when they had gone to regionals, I think prior to Wadapalooza, they were like, all you see at regionals are the top guys and girls. So they thought, man, I could never do anything like that. That's crazy. That's not for us. But going to Waterpalooza, seeing the master's divisions, the team divisions, the scale divisions, the adaptive, like it kind of opened their eyes to the the wide range of possibilities of CrossFit. So I thought that was pretty cool.
0: And that sparked like a big thing, because now doesn't your your dad and your family own a a CrossFit box?
1: Yeah, my dad does own CrossFit Wynwood in Miami, which is pretty cool. So um, it it definitely has been a, a big life changer at CrossFit for all of us. That's awesome. Yeah, I man. One thing I want to
0: talk about too is, uh, you know, you've done some some really cool things in the sport, and you've been able to kind of break boundaries within the sport. And uh, I say that with like some of your partnerships that you've gone through in the past, like your Nike partnership in the past was kind of the beginning of Nike coming into the sport. And now with Gymshark and breaking down those walls with Gymshark as a brand, and like that that really wasn't in CrossFit yeah how have you been able to kind of like stay on the front of some of these like i would say outside brands like you you've broken down the walls of what CrossFit had kind of been in the past how do you how does that process work to break down those walls?
1: yeah, I appreciate you um making note of that, but it's it's always a scary thing to be honest you know when when Jim Shark first approached us. I had the same thoughts that you probably did, and everybody else in the space had was like Gymshark, that's like that's a Globo Gym brand. That's a bodybuilding brand. They make um the muscle tanks, the stringer tanks, you know, that it just it didn't feel like it would be an easy transition. And there have been a couple other brands that similarly it was like, ah oh, man, I, I just don't know. It's not a sure thing, but yeah having conversations with the people behind the brands is usually what ends up selling me on it. So the Gymshark team was just made up of some really, really good people and they were really open and curious about the CrossFit space. They didn't want to just come in with what they had and kind of dominate our space and force their stuff down our throats. They were open to feedback from the CrossFit community. They wanted to start slow. They wanted to figure out what made the most sense product wise for the type of workouts that we do. So it's, it's still at the very beginning of the relationship myself with Gymshark, Gymshark with CrossFit. And uh, I, I think so far it's been a pretty well accepted, but again, like slowly but surely working our way into the CrossFit community. There definitely hasn't been as much um, of that. What's the word I'm looking for? Like the the resistance from the community. You know, I I was thinking of all of the comments that people could make when we announced the partnership of he's a sellout, this is not genuine and blah, blah, blah. And and there hasn't been much of that. So I think we're hopefully doing it the right way.
0: Yeah. I mean, those are all real things that you probably have heard and like, you know, even to an extent have hit your, your DMS or your comments section. Like people have probably said all those things, but it's, I think it's a great thing for the sport and the space to bring in these different partnerships that are outside of the CrossFit ecosystem, you know, like totally all the credit to somebody like noble who's been built from CrossFit from the ground up. Mm-hmm. But it's cool to see the recognition and the value that's being placed on CrossFit from the outside. And absolutely awesome to see yeah.
1: you're spearheading that. I appreciate that. I don't know. I don't want to take too much credit, but it definitely, I think both of those types of brand have their place and have led to a lot of the the growth of our sport, um, Noble and other brands like that, that have been birthed within CrossFit are having a huge impact on the ability for people within our space to be able to start their own brands. I mean, Wadproof is obviously a very CrossFit specific brand at the very beginning. And now it's, yeah. you see it kind of branching into other sports and people being able to use it for many different things. Um, but of course, if it was only in its little niche of CrossFit forever, then we'd kind of stay stuck in that bubble. So there are different things along the the journey of CrossFit itself and, and my journey that have been, um, bridges to kind of get us outside of that CrossFit bubble. And I think we're getting there. I, I don't know that we're all the way there where we've got the full recognition of, people around the world, but I think that eventually everybody will hopefully recognize CrossFit as a household name and respect what we do.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think that if it hasn't already started, it's coming where that, that respect is there. There's, there's people within the space that are kind of demanding that respect and it, and it's really awesome to see right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of changes going on in the last few years with our our community and our sport, hopefully all for the better. Exactly.
0: Now, with that Gymshark partnership, you got to to train and, and I guess, have a experience with, with Chris Bumstead. Yeah. I want to hear about this.
1: Is this, is a, this is like Arnold in his prime. It is cool to, to be, yeah, it's cool to be able to be a part of something like that. And I didn't really realize that, He had that much of a – I didn't realize that people called him, like, the Arnold of our time until I met him and um, started to hear some of that feedback and started doing a little research, like, on his Instagram. He's got a crazy following. People love that dude. Fellow Canadian, like yourself. Fellow Canadian. Um, (laughs) I think the coolest thing about my experience of working out with Chris was how humble he was. And I know that probably sounds very cliche, but truly – he was super laid back down to earth, very, very humble, even though he's accomplished so much. He has won the Olympia has literally, which is a a contest trying to find the best physique on the planet. So he's had the best physique on the planet for the last three years in a row and is very humble, very realistic. We talked a lot about like gratitude and finding happiness in life inside and outside of competition. So I was pleasantly surprised with our interaction and uh, I'm hopeful that we'll be friends going forward from that. Awesome. Now did his training style spark anything in you? Was it? Honestly, it really did. Yeah. I, uh, I started in kind of bodybuilding like before I got into CrossFit, I was working out just to try to look good. Yeah. And then obviously let go of that. I think we all make that transition eventually. Once you get into CrossFit, it's more about the performance than the aesthetic. Um, but, We had a little pose off at the end of our day training together. And honestly, most of the time I walk around feeling pretty good about myself and I felt like a slob standing (laughs) next to that guy flexing. And it was like, whoa, I got to like, I don't know if I clean my diet up or start doing some bodybuilding in addition to my CrossFit training. But uh, if that's what's possible and this is what I'm working with, I, I got some work to do.
0: The Wadproof Pro experience contains hundreds of training sessions that will boost your progress, whether you're a beginner or a pro. Start your seven day free trial now and get access to all of our top level training programs. Search the Wadproof app or click the link inside this episode description to find out more. He's a, I mean, now he is the best in the world for multiple years in a row now, but like,
1: he's yeah, a big guy too. Yeah, yeah, he is. I think he's six one, maybe six something, 240, I think is his cap in his yeah. category, but it was cool. It's And that's another, it's a good, that was a good transition on your part, talking about kind of branching outside of just the CrossFit world. That was one of the main reasons that I was so excited to work with Gymshark was the opportunity to collaborate with some other athletes in other sports and try to bridge that gap and find that mutual respect. And that was Something that that weekend with Chris, and then another weekend we did with a, a handful of other Gymshark athletes. Yeah, like we we left the weekend, I think, with a mutual respect for each other's sports and professions and what we do. And now there's this kind of network of support between myself and these other athletes that didn't really exist before we had that chance to connect.
0: I watched the uh, Buttery Bros episode with that, and that was cool to see. Yeah, and I- yeah, it was a lot of fun. I think that was another one too, where you could see those guys and everybody involved just showed that mutual respect for each other. Like you kind of got some looks of like, Oh damn, he's going that fast. Or he's moving <laughs> that well. And then you're like, well, how the hell did they do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. It was cool. It's been fun.
0: To uh segue out of that one, looking back now, like on some of your career highlights, like, would you put that up there? What are, what would you say some of your, career highlights have been like you've been in the game for 10 years now, eight CrossFit games appearances. It's a lot of different, uh, memories.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. We're going deep on that. That's something that I could probably ponder for a while and, uh, really bring out some thoughts, memories, emotions. Um, I think competitively that, that there would probably have to be some categories in terms of, um, impact on my career and my life. Like competitively, there are some pretty amazing memories that I have, um, experiences. There are some amazing travel opportunities that I've had people like best friends and relationships that have come out of my 10 years in doing this. Those are all very, very significant. So to look back on those, I'd have to probably branch it out. Um, but I'll I'll rattle through, let's, let's just say one of each, Um, let's see one of each. Wadapalooza coming up. Obviously I have some really, really special memories there. And I think one of the coolest was one, I think it was the second year that I won. I want to say it was 2016. The final event ended with 10 thrusters at 165 pounds, if I remember correctly. And the way it was set up was on the Bayfront stage. So like the water was to our backs and we're facing the crowd. And so the final 10 thrusters ended the weekend of competition. I think all I had to do was come in like the top three in order to secure the overall win. And I think I ended up winning the event. And when I was doing that final set of 10 thrusters, they said that over the mic, like this last set of 10 thrusters secures Noah's victory for the second year in a row let's count him down. And so everybody, the entire crowd, rather than just my judge counted out one, two, three. And like, as I was doing each rep, every, like hundreds of people are counting my reps and I do the 10th one step across the line. And I just won for the second time. And I don't, that was very, very special, very uh, emotional, positive experience for me. Um, That's awesome. So that, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll create some more special memories this weekend. Um, non-competitive, I I think experience and opportunity, like I was saying, I've had the opportunity to travel all over the world through CrossFit and I probably haven't done as much of that in the last few years as I did before that, which unfortunately due to all the COVID stuff, um, maybe we'll get to make up for it in the future, but I've gone to Spain, Australia, France, um, Italy all to either compete or be a part of some event that's CrossFit related or do something with a brand like Nike took part in the, uh, Fittest Freakest event out in Spain and they brought out myself and Fraser and Lauren Fisher. And so I've just had some really cool opportunities to like be flown across the world just to go hang out and work out, which still always blows my mind. Yeah.
0: I think, I love that aspect of CrossFit of like the ability to travel and like seeing your favorite athletes compete around the world. And, you know, there's all kinds of different settings that you guys are put in in that. Like, to me, that's one of the coolest things. And even being like a creator in the space and and being able to travel just to, to be a creator and to be a part of the ecosystem. Like, like I would have never, I, I mean, I didn't go this year, but I would have never thought about going to Dubai you know,
1: yeah, and yeah, yeah.
0: Like one of the highlights of the year for so many people is to travel
1: and go to Dubai. And I forgot; I didn't even mention that one. But yeah, I've been there as well. It's it's cool. Yeah, it's sorry. Good. No, what I was going to say you you literally have been around the world because of this sport. Yeah, and it's it's interesting too. Now that we talk about that, I'm thinking about the the last few times that I've traveled. I actually ended up cutting back a good bit on my travel and competing. When I started working with Max Elhaj, I think that was in 2016 or 17. He thought that it would be a good idea to narrow the focus and really make the CrossFit games the priority and make sure that all of the training and competing and energy of the season went to that. So there hasn't been quite as much of that international travel and competition experience, but I think that that's something. Like I said, hopefully in the the near future, when things start opening back up and it makes sense to travel again, and perhaps I'm not pursuing the top of the podium at the CrossFit Games as uh, hard as I have been in years past. Maybe that allows me the opportunity to go compete five times throughout the year instead of just once, and do it in places that we want to travel. That would just be cool memories and experiences.
0: Yeah. Now
1: speaking about Max and training think tank
0: how is the training environment there? Like, what does that add for you, you know, leading up to the season and and leading up to uh, the games or, or big events? Like, do you spend, are you looking to spend more time there? And like, what does that environment do for you?
1: Yeah. The, the training think tank crew up in Alfreda, Georgia, all good people. The environment itself is, is pretty intense. You know, I think they've built it around high level, athletes in competition, just really getting the best out of people, no matter what level they're competing in. So when you go there, that's, uh, they're trying to optimize your performance, whether it's in a workout just to see what your bias capable of, or to do uh, a test that you're going to be able to study from and build a program off of, um, everything up there is just like, <clears throat> It's intense. And I, I knew that. And every time I went up for small trips, I was reminded of that. Like the first workout when I get up to training think tank is always kind of like a, an eye opener, a kick in the butt. It's like, Oh, that's what intensity feels like. I thought we were going hard down here at peak with all my friends, but we were, we were just tapping into like 80, 85%. This is like 90 to a hundred. And I think that that's good because when you get out onto the competition floor, that's, the intensity that everybody's going to be bringing. So rather than going in with the false reality of, all right, I'm going hard. I'm kicking everybody's butt down here at peak and then stepping onto a competition floor and getting my world rocked. I kind of get that reality check at training think tank before competing.
0: And are you planning on spending more time down there leading up to this season or have you, have you made that decision yet?
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say that because Last year, I spent six months of the year up at Training Think Tank. I moved up there. And I think that the intensity for that extended of a period of time and without my support system, like I was up there by myself. Joanne was down here and finishing up PT school. Max stayed down here with her for about half of the time. So just being up there by myself, grinding away, going head to head with the, the top guys trying to win everything every day ended up just really weighing on me. You know, it was heavy, um, literally and figuratively. And I, I don't think that that is the right choice for me for sustaining the s- entire season. Yeah. I think what makes more sense is to spend the majority of time here in Miami at home, really thriving in an environment where, <clears throat> I'm supported and loved, but I have my structure and I can go and do the work and then getting those small doses of that intensity for those reality checks so that I can show up on game day and know what's necessary.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. I I always thought that training at that high of an intensity would be a very challenging thing to do. And talking to some people who have, who have been in environments similar to that, like that mental grind's
1: gotta be, gotta weigh on you pretty heavy. Yeah. I think we did a pretty good job of managing it while I was there. Like we, we purposefully had sessions that were more just play and like group fun things. And so it wasn't like every single session, it was just me and Travis head to head. And, um, there, there were, there was a good amount of balance, but I think no matter how you try to structure a session for play, we're all so competitive that we're going to try to win everything. So I think subconsciously it was more competitive than it was maybe supposed to be.
0: Yeah, that's fair, but yeah. you are competing with Travis at Wadapalooza.
1: Yeah. Super she- excited
0: about that. It's going to be awesome. The boys, the boys. Yeah. Are you, uh, when, when you guys compete in that team environment, cause you guys, you guys have done team before, correct?
1: Travis and I did team at Wattapalooza one year with Will Morad as our partner and Travis and I had also done the team series, the CrossFit team series, which was kind of like an online competition a few years in a row. So we're, we're pretty well versed in competing with each other. Um, Chandler and I, this will be our first time being able to team up, which we're both super excited about. Awesome.
0: Now, do you guys treat it differently or do you see a different side of of Travis when you guys are competing together as opposed to against each other?
1: Uh yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely different. It's funny. Chandler said the other day he's um, excited for us to be pointing our weapons away from him this time. He said <laughs> usually we're all we're all duking it out, coming for each other's throats, and now we're joining forces and pointing them at everybody else. So I'm excited, man. There's actually it's it's a funny psychological realization that I had the other day when I talk about competing on team. I have a little bit more of this like fire and passion and I use the words like dominate and crush it and like really, really want to represent for our squad versus when I'm competing individually, I feel like I'm a little bit more timid in saying stuff like that. So I don't know. There's this spark that I'm excited to go, uh, light up in a week. Nice. Now, now kind of speaking about that, that
0: spark and that, you know, that, that intensity, I guess, when you've really crushed events, like at the games, like, like Mary in 2019, do you know Mm -hmm. you're going to, you know, do you know that, okay, this is a, this is, I don't want to say this is a layup, but like, this is something that I know I can go and get. Or do you just like approach every workout the same? And like, I'm going to go do what I need to do.
1: I would say a little bit more, probably a combination of those two thoughts. When they announced Mary in particular, I remember thinking Like, oh man, this could be a really, really good one for me, but it wasn't like, all right, automatically, this is going to be a good one. I'm set. I don't have to worry about it. There's no nerves. It was almost not that it made me more nervous, but it just made me think like, all right, because this could be a really good one. I have to make sure that I execute. I need to take advantage of this. What if I I remember thinking about the pull-ups? I was like, if I try to go out on broken, this is 20 minutes doing sets of 15 all the way. What if I blow up? And then it could go from like potentially winning it to maybe coming in last place, just cause you went out too hot and like, weren't able to sustain that. Um, and obviously I was able to execute pretty well on it, but it, it definitely wasn't this thing where uh, I took the floor with swag and was like, All right, I'm about to crush this. I definitely still had the same nerves that I had for an event that maybe wouldn't have been in my wheelhouse. With the Wadproof Pro experience, you'll get instant
0: access to training programs from some of the best coaches on the planet. From full training programs in the gym and at home to movement-specific programs for weightlifting, gymnastics, engine endurance, rowing, and more. We have a program that is designed for your needs, whether you are a beginner or a pro. Do you approach most of the games workouts or most of those competitive workouts the same or way or do you ever have that like little edge to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what the competition looks like if we're at the crossfit games everybody there is so good that there is almost never the time when it's like all right this is going to be a layup i'm going to smoke everybody here um unless it's like ah, like a handstand hold that would be something that i feel like all right i i feel like i should probably be able to like definitely be in the, the top three here Um, other than that, no matter what the event is, everybody else is so good that you never know who can step up to the plate and crush it. So, uh, I feel like rarely do I have that confidence unless I'm maybe at like a, maybe it's a waterpalooza and it's a much narrower field. And you kind of know what some of the strengths and weaknesses of the guys that you're going up against are. And there's a workout that comes out. That's like really in your wheelhouse. That would be a time when I'd be like giddy with excitement that I get to go out and crush an event or like regionals, right? Regionals back in the day always a much narrower field because you've been competing with the same handful of guys for the last five or six years, you kind of know where you stack up on certain things. And so there were definitely regionals workouts that would come out where I was like, all right, this one's mine. I'm going to go take this.
0: Yeah. That, yeah, that makes sense. Like it is way different and narrowing that field down makes a lot of sense because of the CrossFit games. You're right. Like anybody is, it's anybody's game for a lot of the workouts. Totally. Totally. Um, now looking back on some other, uh, some other things, like I wanted to ask you about, uh, grid. Ooh, baby. The grid league. Grid, Throwback. Pulling it back. Now, when you were competing in grid, you were in, uh, California. Uh, mm-hmm. did you, what did you think of that as a sport and as a. I don't want to say organization, but what did you think of that as a sport and participating in that? Like you were in that first wave of, of the grid league.
1: The grid was really exciting when it first came around because it felt like at that time, I think that was 2014. It really felt like the professionalization of CrossFit because a lot of us, excuse me, A lot of us that were competing back in that time had a couple sponsors here and there would make a little bit of prize money, but I don't think anybody was comfortably and confidently making a living off of competing in CrossFit six, seven years ago. And so when the grid league came around and there were teams that had coaches and logos and mascots and you were getting a salary like that was the biggest thing like you're guaranteed money you're gonna get a paycheck that's we'd never been guaranteed anything you know prior to that you show up to a competition and you take last you get zero dollars you win you get the whole thing but it's like nothing was ever guaranteed so the fact that you had guaranteed money and a uniform was also pretty cool there were just a lot of things about it that made it feel like all right, I'm a, I'm a pro athlete for real now. Yeah.
0: Now, is that something that you would do again if that opportunity came back up? Or would that be a little part of the past?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think if it was done in the right way, it would definitely be something that I would consider. Um, you kind of, you always get a vibe for something as it's released, like who is behind it? What's the what's the funding? What's the aesthetic? What's the, what's the plan for the season? You know? Um, So I I don't know. I think back in the day, honestly, if grid had been hosted by CrossFit, like if CrossFit HQ were the ones putting it on and kind of creating the structure around it, I think it would have been a lot more successful, but because there was kind of that dichotomy between CrossFit and Grid, I think that made it really, really hard for them to coexist, and Grid was the one that kind of ended up taking the fall. Yeah,
0: that's fair. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat>
1: oh, oh, I got good. That we're dry both in the same. Too. Yeah, we're in the same boat.
0: Yep on on the mend. On the mend. That's it. Um, you just did a huge charity raffle over the holidays here. That was fun. You guys raised like almost $3,500, which is huge for just a, I, I would say a, a small, like big picture. It's not a huge yeah, involvement thing. Totally, That's awesome to see. And um, how was it getting all of your sponsors on board for that? Was that an easy process? Was everybody you know excited for the opportunity? Like you had a lot of sponsors involved in that.
1: Yeah, man. It's, it's something that I like to try to do every year something to be able to give back to the community so obviously that was the first thing that i was thinking of like all of my fans and followers what can i do that would be really cool for them give them an opportunity to to win and just kind of um gift some stuff to them and then how can i tie in some sort of charitable element and i've been connected with scott from battle cancer for a while they hosted an event at my dad's gym after waterpalooza a few years ago and i know they're doing some really cool stuff so that was awesome to be able to support their organization and then finally be able to honestly, even though they're the ones giving, it's kind of a win-win for everybody. The sponsors themselves, they get a little bit of promo. They get um, kind of put out there as being able to be do be doing some good themselves. And then for each individual sponsor, usually the the prizes that they donate are not going to break the bank for them, but in combination, it, it seems like a really cool package for somebody to win all of. So It went well. I'm excited. And, uh, I think we found a a really cool winner just by fate. Like the website randomly chooses the winner and the person that was selected was, he's a healthcare worker. He's a nurse in a hospital and was just super grateful and had some really, really awesome positive feedback and said that it was a time that something like that was really needed in his life. And so, I don't know, just all in all, it felt like a, a win. That's awesome.
0: I love hearing that. Yeah. Yeah, man. Nurses, healthcare workers—they're going through a lot right now.
1: Yeah, for sure. Good to be able to hook them up. Exactly. Um. With, uh, excuse me. <clears throat>
0: <laughs> this is all good. You all right? Getting stuffy. Yeah, yeah. We're good. Yeah. Um. How has, uh, you know, kind of coming back to training here? How has your training changed over the last few years? Like, how has it evolved as you've you've gotten a bit older? Like eight CrossFit games appearances is a, is a beatdown.
1: Yeah. Oh man. It's, it's funny. I think this has been for some reason, the first year post games that I was like, all right, something feels a little different here, physically, psychologically, like every year prior, it was almost like a hamster wheel. Like you finish the games, you take a little bit of rest. And like, there's not even a choice to be made. It's just, you jump right back in it and, and try again, the same thing you did last year, but better. And, uh, and, and I've enjoyed that process and I've really loved it. And I don't know, after this year, I felt like there, I needed to do a little bit of reevaluating and, um, from that psychological standpoint, you know, of, I've tried and failed to win the games eight times in a row. So should probably try something different. You know, what's, what's that quote about insanity? The, uh, trying the same thing and expecting a different result. Um, so, and and I've made changes over the years, but I felt like, all right, let's just, let's keep trying to change it up and see if we can find the right formula. I've been close, but haven't been able to pull it all the way off. And then physically, I I do think that this year, like I said earlier, being up in at training think tank for six months kind of took its toll like mentally and emotionally on me. And I needed some time to really recover from that, both physically and emotionally. Um, and so we were doing like a, a bit of a slower build back. Other years, I feel like this time last year, like in January, I feel like I probably could have won the games. You know, I was snatching 285, I think, multiple times in the, that month. My running was dialed in, gymnastics was dialed, like everything was on point but for what purpose? Like January, there were no competitions. There wasn't Wanapalooza yeah. last year. And then come August, I was banged up. I was fatigued. We had neglected running cause we were working on so many other things. And it was like, man, why was I so peaked and primed in January? Let's not make that same mistake this year. Let's take things slow and make sure that the, uh, the actual peak happens when it matters in August.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, that's the important time. That's the key. Yeah. Now with, uh, you know, some of your training and, and peaking, you know, I know in the past you've talked about having a mental performance coach. Mm -hmm. How does that factor into your training season and to your off season? Like, are you still working on those, those mental performance um, assets, I guess, while you're in the off season? Or do you like, do you take a step away from everything completely? Like what's your focus?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. With the mental performance coach, she, her name is Emma, and she's kind of been present through each phase of the season. So when the games are over, we do what we call a deload and just kind of reflect on the season, on the games themselves, kind of talk about what went well, what could have been a little bit better, where could we improve things and make sure that we kind of get rid of that experience. Because if that sits with you and you don't process it and get it out, of your system then it kind of like that becomes your your reality and your story and you kind of stay in that loop but if you can put it behind yourself and learn from it then you can move forward into the next season with uh the things that really matter and leave behind the stuff that doesn't so was able to do a deload with her and then she's been helping me kind of work through some of those thoughts that i was just having you know like how do I approach this season a little bit differently with a renewed sense of enthusiasm and make sure that we do it the right way this time, you know, cause I don't want, I mean, what the sentence that I just said to you that I've tried and failed to win the games eight times. I don't want that to be my story, you know? And, and I think it's up to me to, to determine which perspective I look at it from. I have had a very successful career, even though I haven't won the games yet. Um, so yeah, just helping me work through that, stay in a good headspace and be excited about this upcoming season. It's yeah. been helpful.
0: I, I talk a lot on, or I've talked a lot on this podcast about mental performance and, and mental health with different uh, advocates and, and things like that. And I think it's such an important thing. And I think that you speak very well about your experiences with, uh, you know, kind of some of the ups and downs with your training. Mm-hmm. And I could hear it in the things that you say that like it's, you know, you, you're con you're conscious of those things and how they impact you. I think that's really important because I think that it, it goes a long way to be aware of how that all those situations are, are impacting you.
1: Totally. Yeah. We could dive way deep on some of that stuff. I know this is more of a general podcast talking about kind of life and season, but um, there's a lot more that could be said about all of that for sure. Now,
0: you know, you know, coming back to that line about the, you know, you've, competed at the eight eight games and haven't won them do you ever feel like it's a bit of a moving target to win the CrossFit games
1: yeah i do think so i think that every year um the test changes i'm curious to see the way that it changes this year now that we've been uh kind of broken the news that castro is no longer in the position that he is and as far as we all know from the athlete's perspective and the community in general i think he's the one that has created the tests for the entire season throughout the year. So yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see if it looks and feels the same or if it's a big change. Um, but even with him being the one guy programming it over the years, there are some years that are way different than others. And some years that you finish the games and you're like, man, I wasn't strong enough. And then you get super strong and that's your priority throughout the season. And you get to the games that year that you got really strong for And there's a very limited amount of strength events and it's way more endurance based. And you're like, well, that didn't work out. So it is ever changing. And that's, what's interesting about it that you don't know really exactly what to prepare for. And you have to do a a little bit of everything.
0: I remember the one year at regionals, there were no barbells. Yeah. 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 Right. All right. You guys all got real strong now here, figure this out. And there was just no barbells Mm -hmm. go about your go, you know, go through everything
1: it's cool. I I respect that. Like I like that element to it where you have to adapt and adjust and see who can kind of adapt on the fly the best. But I also do wish that there was a little more structure to it. And I think that that would help breed some more understanding and respect for the sport in general. Like if they ever wanted to have CrossFit in the Olympics, I think that there would have to be some structure to it where it's like, Hey, this is a three-day competition on day one. There are four events. One is a strength-based event. One is an endurance event. One is a mixed modal event. And then every year, you know, it's going to be, it's always going to be three days. It's always going to be 12 events total. It's always going to be this many of this type of event, et cetera. And, uh, it just would give us the opportunity as athletes to really prepare better. And then from a fan's perspective, they would know what to expect.
0: Yeah. I think from a fan perspective of knowing what to expect, is some people want that. And then some people, on the other hand, don't want that and love the right. fact that it's just like, I don't know, they could be <laughs> like high diving today. Like, yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Like, there, there is that little bit of, in, well, it's unknown and unknowable, right? That's the beauty mm-hmm. of, of CrossFit. But at the same time, people want to kind of know what's going on. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you. I don't know what the uh, what the right answer is there, but again, I'm I'm very curious to see what the season looks like now with that big change.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to see some some changes, and the fact that Castro, you know, puts so much time and effort in, it seems like from the outside, into programming the workouts and fine tuning the workouts, and you know, it's not to say that whoever comes in isn't going to do that. But he puts, it seems like, a lot of time in mm-hmm. to making sure these these tests are are very well tuned and and fit the environment and fit the setting and, um, you just hope that they put that same amount of effort in that that was being put in in the past.
1: Yeah, I agree. I've got a ton of respect for Dave. I have only ever had super positive experiences and interactions with him. Um, I don't know how I feel about the the decision that was going to be made. And I don't know if we want to go that direction. We don't have to get, um, get political on it, but yeah. I, I, I will definitely tip my hat to him because I think he's had a huge impact on the sport. I mean, it freaking started in his backyard, you know, so yeah. props to Dave and everything that he's done for us. And I hope that, uh, it can be just a platform for the sport to continue to grow based on what he began it with.
0: Yeah, I agree. Now, kind of speaking about his backyard, was there in 2020 when, you know, it was just the five men, five women competing at that final stage of the games, was there something like different about that? I mean, obviously it was a different experience, but was there something that hit a little different competing at the ranch when it was just the five of you guys?
1: Was that? Yeah, it was definitely a unique experience. That was probably one of my more memorable games experiences. Um... I don't even know how to describe it. It was, it was very like, what's the word? The vibe was very like dark and ominous and quiet. Like because there were no fans there, minimal amount of um, judges and people setting up the event and athletes in general, it was just, like eerily quiet. That was one of the weirdest things about it. They didn't have music playing. Um, so there were some kind of cool intimate moments that we were able to have with either judges or fellow athletes or whatever that may have been, but all in all, it it lacked a lot of the, uh, the energy that makes the games as special as they usually are. Yeah. So was that, you know,
0: that, element of it being quiet did it add to the environment like you know i just remember that bar muscle up shouldered overhead workout and listening to the broadcast it's like you can almost hear people talking
1: yeah yeah i mean it was weird it's it's kind of like it reminded me of just working out in the gym i mean in the gym usually you have music going but yeah. It just felt like you and a couple of your training partners by your side working out while people are hanging out, maybe after the last class or whatever. It just, it didn't feel as like spotlight all eyes on you as it does when you're taking the competition floor and there's bleachers all around you. It was, it was just weird and different. Yeah. But I'm would glad, I'm really glad that I was a part of it. Yeah. I was going to say, would you do it again? If you had that up? Yeah. I mean, it was a once in a lifetime thing, you know, like in the CrossFit history books, I'm one of five guys that got to experience that and it may never happen again in that way. So uh, I'm really glad that I was there. Well,
0: let's hope that doesn't happen in that way again. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Fingers Uh, crossed. Yeah, exactly. Now I see your shirt there. Happy, but hungry. Tell me about the brand. I, I was just on the website. I'm looking at it tell me about your brand. I know you've had it for a little while. You've had that slogan, but how did that, how did the uh, slogan start?
1: Yeah. Happy but hungry is something that is kind of special to me. It's the way that I like to live my life. Um, And I think that it's just kind of like, honestly, the brand itself I think is, in like, and I, I don't know the right way to say it. In, in its infancy stages, I was gonna say like I think it has a lot of potential that I haven't really had the time to capitalize on. Um, and there's the possibility that I can really spend some time trying to grow the brand, and hopefully, it would be something that's inspirational and motivates people around the world if once they really understand what it means. Um, but going back to the the beginning, the way that that came about. I have told this story a couple of times, so I don't, I'll keep it short and sweet. I don't want to bore people that have heard it, but my coach, Max L. um uh, when I first started working with him, felt like I needed to utilize a little bit of like anger as my fuel. When I would take the competition floors, like, I want to see more of that like passion and rage and killer instinct. And uh, I was like, man, I, I know what you mean. Like I could see how that would be beneficial, but that's just really not who I am. I'm, I'm a happy Guy, like I love doing this. I love my life that I'm living, but I don't want that to be mistaken for me being content and complacent. You know, I'm not just happy and I'm gonna go with the flow and it is what it is. Like I'm happy, but I'm gonna go out there and try to crush it. Like I wanna win. I'm, I'm gonna bring that fire and passion, but just in a, a different way, in a little bit more of a positive way. So yeah, that was where the happy but hungry kind of came about. Um, and that's what it means to me, you know. And that doesn't necessarily have to only be about competing in CrossFit. You know, I think you can live a lifestyle as a a businessman that's happy and hungry, right? Enjoy what you're doing. Enjoy the process of it, but always strive to do your best and do better. I love that, that I've,
0: I've, you know, working with Wadproof, I've been following you a little bit closer and that seeing that slogan, I'm like, yeah, like this is something that is catchy and it, it's catchy, but it's, it's impactful. And I, and I do appreciate that.
1: Yeah. I appreciate that as well. I I think it's a a model of sustainability for me is what I realized over the years, right? Like if you have too much of either, it's, it's not going to work, right? If you're, if you're too hungry and you're just grinding away and you don't have that element of enjoying the process, you're going to burn out and it's not going to last very long and you're going to regret like, just the, the memories that you have of the grind. Um, and then on the other side of things, if you're too happy and you're just having a ton of fun and not working hard enough, then you're not going to be able to accomplish a whole lot of the stuff that's at the top, top level that I myself am chasing. So I feel like finding the perfect balance of both allows me to be able to do it for a very long time and hopefully do it to the best of my ability. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Appreciate it. Uh, one thing
0: I notice when you compete, Is you always look for your family in the stands? Every event before and after, your your eye in the stands up, looking for for your family. Is it more? Is it family or is it Joanne? Is it more?
1: It's both. Yeah, Yeah. usually Joanne is with my family, so they're they're bunched together. Joanne is definitely my target. Like I'm trying to find her, and it just kind of provides me with a, a sense of comfort. You know that no matter how whatever I'm about to do goes she's there. She's going to be there for me. She's at the finish line. You know, I can go celebrate with her if I crush it and I can go be consoled by her if I get crushed by it. So I don't know. It just gives me uh, that sense of comfort for sure.
0: Yeah. One of my favorite pictures of you that uh, I took at the games is you kind of kneeling on your one knee, like looking up at the stands after the clean ladder event and you're just like eyes are locked in.
1: Yeah, that's Andre. cool. I remember that. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that photo too. Appreciate you. Um,
0: on that note,
1: what's uh, we'll,
0: we'll wrap it up here, but what's the 2022 season looking like after Waterpalooza? Is there anything, you just open time, time to grind, or what do you got going on?
1: Like I said before, I really am trying to find a way to approach this season that is... Exciting for me, something that I can be passionate about digging into. I felt that way last season. I was very passionate about my choice to go up to training think tank. And that that really motivated me and inspired me through that season. Obviously, that didn't go as well as I had hoped. And so um, trying to find what that is this year. I have set the goal for myself that I want to compete at 12, sorry, not 12, 10 CrossFit Games individual uh, events in a row so that would theoretically be at least two more beyond this um i also obviously have always competed with the goal of trying to win the crossfit game so if i'm able to accomplish both of those win it somewhere along the way in the next two years i'll be the happiest guy in the world and be able to do whatever i do next with a, a big full heart um so that for sure is the plan compete individually for the next two years try to win it both of them um but if i only get one that's okay with me too so just stay as healthy and happy as i can along the way and that's all i got for you for now awesome
0: no thanks so much we appreciate your authenticity we appreciate uh you always putting yourself out there in the community and uh from me and from the wadproof family thanks so much for joining us and uh dude. We really appreciate your time. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate you guys. Hope everyone enjoyed. All right. Take care guys. With the Wadproof pro experience, you'll get instant access to training programs from some of the best coaches on the planet from full training programs in the gym and at home to movement specific programs for weightlifting, gymnastics, engine, endurance, rowing, and more. We have a program that is designed for your needs, whether you are a beginner or a pro.
2: Every training session introduces a series of questions. Am I happy with my performance? Where could I have gone faster? When will I be ready to go again? For Wadproof Pro athletes, also this question What can I learn from that workout? With a Wadproof Pro subscription, you gain access to a complete training toolbox from a full featured exercise log to side by side comparisons to the ability to record your heart rate right alongside your rounds and reps. You have at your fingertips everything you need to learn. To make progress and to go into tomorrow's training more prepared than today's. The best athletes are the best students, and with your Wadproof Pro subscription, you will have in your pocket the education you need to elevate your training and uncover the many lessons that every single workout offers you. Subscribe today so you can get better tomorrow.